Hello, I'm Jack Nichols, and welcome to a new episode of Straight Talk. After our marathon six races in nine days in Berlin to conclude the season finale, we are now starting to look ahead to the future. And I'm joined here at Mahindra Racing by a couple of guests, and you'll recognize them both, but something has changed about one of them. Alexander Sims is with us. What is a new haircut, new... What is it? What is? Yeah, I had a shave this morning, so that's probably is that what it is. Yeah, oh, that's, okay. that's probably the okay. new thing. No, I think it's the T-shirt. Joining Mahindra Racing, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling about that? I'm really excited. It's uh, a change for me from being at yeah BMW for six years now, and yeah, really looking forward to, to the new opportunity. Uh, I watched, uh, I raced against uh, Felix Rosenquist for quite a few years in F3, and so so saw him. Uh, move across to Mahindra a few years ago um, and followed his journey and uh, ever since then yeah I've been aware of what Mahindra's doing um, the the excellent efforts they're they're uh, putting into Formula E and from the outside anyway I'm looking forward to be being involved in the inside um, seeing the you know the positive change that they're genuinely making um, in what they're doing and so yeah to be a part of that is is pretty cool. So to have been with BMW for for so long, not only in Formula E but also in GTs and that sort of thing, it must have been quite a big decision to make to come to Mahindra. I mean, yes, I did take some time to make sure that it felt right. I had a decent amount of time during lockdown to <laughs> ponder the situation. Then made my decision and, and felt that it was the right thing to do. And obviously, still do think that it's the right thing. Obviously, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, just looking forward to, to a bit of change. As I said, I enjoyed my time at BMW and we haven't ended things on bad terms or anything, but um, yeah, it felt like the, the right time to have a fresh start. And tell us about your Formula E journey because you, as you say, watched it since the since the early stages. You've been quite a keen advocate of electric vehicle technology for a long time. How, you know, if people don't know that sort of side of you, tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I mean, my interest in... Uh, electric cars happened or started before Formula E was around actually. Back in 2012 I I got my first EV um, and it was my only car. I mean I, I drove it day in day out and uh, experienced uh, a pretty aggressive form of, of I guess range anxiety and uh, <laughs> trying to find charging points and things like that. Uh, had my cables in my boot, all the different adapters made up. Um, was, it, was it really, really difficult back then to have it as a day-to-day well, car? It, bizarrely, it, it wasn't desperately difficult, but I think you needed to be willing to adjust your driving schedule, I guess, um, accordingly. So I would plan my my trips in advance. And yes, you had to work out, you know, charging stops for two, three, four hours, depending on on, on how far you were going. But um, I, I enjoyed it. And yeah, I remember going to, to meet with Alejandro just to be a part of the Formula e project, actually, not because my, my driving career was sort of not 100% going to happen. Yeah. And I was just looking at what, what could could be done beyond that and so yeah I went to meet Alejandro to be involved in Formula E organizing it actually in his office in London and he was like what you drove from South Wales to London in an EV wasn't even aware that that was really a thing still so um yeah it was it was early days when I first got my EV and yeah I've been obviously desperate to get involved in Formula E from the word go got quite close a couple of times and then yeah the last two seasons obviously been involved in in anger and it's been it's been awesome to be a part of that journey you're a very humble gentleman 
And I think you'll even be humble about being humble. So I know the answer I'm going to get to this. But when you first joined Formula E, I remember speaking to you and you were teammates with Antonio Felix da Costa. And I said, oh, what have you... And you were sort of very much sort of putting down your your chances up against Antonio in the early stages because he had all this experience and that sort of thing. How much did getting those three pole positions in a row at the end of season five, start of season six, getting wins, how much did that sort of consolidate your belief in in what you could do in Formula E? Or did you always believe that anyway? It, it was certainly a nice thing to, to get some pole positions. But yeah, I, I guess it didn't feel like it changed things too much. I, I think that I never felt that my speed was too much in question. It was just the the massive amount of challenges that there are in Formula E to, to execute a good race day that I was aware, even just from the, the testing that we'd done, was aware that, you know, to get every single thing to go well um, is, is a huge, huge challenge um, and still is, to be honest. You know, I don't think there's any driver out there that can honestly say that, you know, they nail it every single time in, in every session. Formula E is just so complicated. And and so, yeah, I mean, it, it it helped with the confidence a bit, but um, yeah, I'd say I'd still probably remain pretty much the same same person now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, tell us a little bit about your other racing parts of your career. So obviously starting off in junior single seaters and then moving to GT racing, we don't need year by year, yeah. but you know, just a, ge- just a general overview. How long you got? <laughs> um, I guess, yeah. So, I mean, I, I had the pretty standard career panned out from from Formula Renault, Formula 3, um, then realised that I probably wasn't good enough to, to get to F1. A certain Mr. Bottas kind of put an end to my dream um, as my teammate. He re- made me realise that yeah, I was okay, but not good enough. And uh, then, yeah, sort of just teetered around trying to work out what to do in, in motorsports, I guess. Did a bit of GT racing and some Formula 3 um, bits with T-Sport and Carlin um, as and when it, it, they became available, um, when they had drivers drop out. And honestly, wasn't really sure where my career would go. Um, and then got an opportunity with BMW to, to go into GT racing. And for five years, I think, yeah, that, that was really my bread and butter. And, and it really enjoyed my, my endurance racing. Um, still do, to be honest. And uh, yeah, then then got the call from them before season five that for whatever reason they were choosing to go for a, another new driver. Um, they wanted that to be me. And then yeah, this this Formula E story began, which was certainly a surprise at the time. But um, yeah, super thankful that it's enabled me to to be invo- involved in Formula E and um, come to to this point where we are today basically yeah yeah well then let's bring in Dilbag Gill the team principal of Mahindra Dilbag great to see you uh in real life not on a not on a computer screen because for those of you who may have missed it uh Dilbag uh, was uh, tested positive for COVID-19 upon arrival in Berlin so quarantined in the hotel for for a couple of weeks how are you how are you feeling good to be out of that small room absolutely man I'm feeling good and yep uh, I'm feeling happy because it wasn't very difficult. My uh, thing, I didn't have too many symptoms, etc. It was worrying, but not very difficult. Yeah. And thanks for everyone. I got a lot of wishes over those two weeks while I was in there. I want to really thank everyone. I think it was really nice for people to reach out and give me the wishes. 
And so let's move on to the reason we're here. Alexander Sims, new driver for Mahindra. How did that come about? When did you sort of notice Alexander as a potential uh, driver for you? And how happy are you to, to have him? Well, I think uh, we are constantly looking out for drivers, right? That's part of our job is like, it's, this is a constant process uh, going on. And I think Alex did definitely sort of pop up in a radar right up in season five. Because being honest, we always rated the Costa. Mm. And he was, uh, there's an old story that he was very close to driving for us in season two. Maybe it was 15 minutes away from driving that for close, us in season really? 15 minutes away from. Uh, we do have his race suit, everything ready uh, out here in <laughs> Donington on the morning of the first test. Yeah. It was, yeah. Um, Bruno was not too sure if he's going to continue with us. And if he didn't, the Costa was going to be driving for us. So it was right from season two. And I think Alex did really well uh, because we knew who the Costa was. And we, when you looked at the results over the year, etc., it was really impressive. I think more than that was also, I think, Alex's philosophy, which is really important. Because for Mahindra, I think this is just not racing. It's it's a part of a philosophy of where we are trying to go with sustainability, talking about electrification, etc. And we've been in the electrification journey for quite some time. And I thought, let's just Alex's philosophy towards this would stand us in strong stead going forward because we at Mahindra are going to be investing a lot in electric mobility uh, platforms. And I don't know if you guys are even aware of it. We were actually selling electric cars in England, what, 18 years ago? Wow. Yeah. Um, the only unfortunate thing about that is I think even till today at BBC, it's been voted the, wor the worst car ever tested by BBC. <laughs> it was... <laughs> The G Wiz, if I don't know if you guys remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was that's a company which we acquired uh, some ah. time ago. Okay, so so electric cars, okay, were for us for quite some time ago. So we came into London, and it's funny because we, there are still 800 G Wizzes in London City running around today. Wow. And they are still in lead acid batteries. I think maybe the range might be 20 k's or something like that, but that's enough for London. <laughs> a 20 kilometer range is, I think, reasonably good. And those cars, so yeah, that, that's a story. And I think with Alex's philosophy of it, he's obviously really fast. And you could see that how he finished season five, started season six. And he said, oh man, season six in Diria, we said, okay, yeah, this guy, potentially is going to be walking away because it was just amazing when the guy comes and slides into the corner and still goes, it's poor. Yeah? I still don't forget that, okay, seeing the car. I've not seen a car with a Magna sign coming towards me <laughs> rather than it coming with that. It's Magna, right, on that car? Yeah, the side pod coming to, towards the camera that yeah, that is pretty impressive. It's a good way to get some sponsorship uh, <laughs> time, isn't it? I know, yeah. I, wish, I, I was just wondering if his bonus was linked to <laughs> sponsorship exposure. So your angle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. So a G-Wiz company car on, on its way. <laughs> That's great news. What about uh, Alex's uh, teammate for season seven? Is there is there any news on that yet? Well, I guarantee he will have a teammate. Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's to know. for okay. sure. He will have a teammate. Okay. Uh, Am I still in the running or no? Were you in the running? No. But I don't know. Are we just looking at all options? Have I got a chance? See, Jack, with no disrespect, <laughs> if verbal energy got regen, I will put you in the car. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like if you could talk through your regen, yeah. I'm sure you'll have the most efficient car out there, okay? Yeah, unfortunately, no. Okay, you're too fine. tall for the car. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, no, I am too too tall, actually. Yeah. They keep saying, oh, drive the show car, and then they go, how tall are you? And I tell them, and they say, no, no you're not allowed to drive it. You're not but apparently, Idris Elba isn't too big to drive the car. Maybe being a superstar helps. But anyway, you're getting there. You're getting there. Like yeah. I think maybe in no, but 2035, you'll be back, a yeah. Come on, this podcast isn't about me. It's about Alexander's teammate for season seven. So yeah, what was the answer to that? To be honest, we don't have. An, I don't have an answer. It's not. I'm trying to like bullshit on it. I don't have an answer. But I also would like to thank Jerome because uh, Jerome would not be continuing with us okay. going forward. Uh, I think Jerome was an immense teammate for two years. He helped 
grow the team, etc. We have some wonderful memories with Jerome. I think Marrakesh, obviously, and thanks to Alex there. Yes. So maybe that we got a few brownie points for the, <laughs> the win in, Mar- in uh, Marrakesh to uh, Mr. Sims, who's sitting across the table. So maybe that helped a little bit for, because that was the last victory. But yeah, so Jerome would not be in the car. Okay. Season six didn't go exactly the way you would have hoped, I would imagine, overall. But there were, you know, nine Super Pole appearances. There was some pace in the car. What what were your what are your learnings from season six and, and how do you feel looking ahead to season seven? Because obviously testing will be well underway. Well, uh, Jack, I think season six, but the package we had was not a bad year. If I put it that way, like if, with the package, because very early in season six, we had to revert to season five powertrain. When we had a, a powertrain failures earlier this year, after Santiago, and then in Mexico when we went and changed and went back, thing okay. So and we were basically running on a powertrain which is more than a year old, and even the parts were done a full season. So where we could maximize was qualifying, and a bit on maybe on certain of the chassis development, etc. And I think we done a good job on that. We had a consistent car. Any driver who came in was pretty sure that we were going to bang the car into Super Pole. Mm. Uh, three times in eleven races we were not in Super Pole. We were seven. In all those yeah. three races, we were seven. So it was like just the first car out of Super Pole. And, you know, those of you talking about hundreds and thousands of a second. So literally every race, there was one car essentially in Super Pole. And then we, yeah, we in, during the race, we started moving backwards. But we improved at uh, uh, deficiency by the end of the season to where we were. And I think uh, pre-COVID and post-COVID races like Berlin, there was a significant improvement in Mahindra in terms of you know, once we realized that we have this old package, which is inefficient, how do we maximize the potential? And I think... We were able to go get uh, get that. There was a bit of a disruption and change of drivers. It's not easy mid-season to have a new driver come in. But uh, Alex Lynn came in and I think did a fantastic job, especially like where the car was strong was qualifying. He showed what he could, the car could do. And overall, I think, yes, the results don't show the thing and that's what's going to stay in history. It's going to be the number that, what it is, end of the year. But overall, I think this year was a transition year also we moved for the first time brought the whole team in house we earlier we used to work with a service provider we don't do that anymore it's all brought in house and i think we have a team which is a very strong base for going forward so i'm optimistic going forward and i would rather say yeah we're not as sketchy as what we were <laughs> <laughs> so basically in i think it was season start of season 2 I wrote a piece on the Formulary website that said details of Mahindra's powertrain plans are still sketchy. And from then on, five years later, Tilbag still says that I call them the sketchy team. But I don't know. You're a great team. You've got lovely new offices. Never been here before. This is great. And okay. really kind of moving up. No, this is nice. And I think uh, this was, I think, one of our biggest developments also during COVID-19 was okay, when we had the break, we were able to move into this place. And I think, as I said, like this is the first time we're having everyone under one roof. Unfortunately, they're all not here because of yeah. uh, a bit of work from home, etc. But I think once things get back, we've already started seeing the efficiency of people working together and the camaraderie. Because see, at, at Mahindra, we've always tried to also have a positive atmosphere within the folks. Okay, like while we are competitive, we want to go out and win. We also try to keep an atmosphere in the team of thing, and I think that's uh, something which we are continuing. Uh, to do and I'm looking forward to Alex to come in and you know, be a part of the as we say we always say be a part of the family mm. that's what we look at it that has just got me quite excited and makes me want to join Mahindra you know did, did you I take much that, convincing I like that I think we've clarified that that's not going to happen no I know yeah, alright all right, yeah, no, I'll let that go <laughs> as much as you might say it, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean like did, did it take a huge amount of convincing did it take a speech like that from, from Dilbag to get you here or actually were you were you pretty sold on it anyway well I mean obviously during the, the process of you know, assessing one's options, it's 
very important to to have that connection and, and um, that that conversation to to understand you know how Dilbag's feeling about the previous season, the the outlook moving forward, and yeah, it, it was certainly yeah important. I don't want to say critical, but important to to understand. Yeah, the vision and and where the team's going, and exactly just to understand the the reasons for maybe some of the the last few races not going fantastically well, or, or why they did go well, and uh, yeah, it's it's very good, very helpful to to have that yeah communication. I mean that that's ultimately critical in in any workplace, but um, especially yeah, making a step into a new situation, it's it's important. So let's look at the next five months then. Is this going to be your sort of longest proper run up into a into a Formula E season? Like knowing this far out that you're that you're good to go for for next year, and how do you think that level of stability will 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 help with your preparation? Well, I think yeah, coming into a new situation, new team, it's going to be very helpful to have that time to be able to come into the the workshop. You know, I only live less than an hour away, um, so I can come in pretty frequently start working with the team, um, get to know everybody before we get to a pressurized environment at the racetrack. Um, so that, yeah, those, those relationships, those um, understandings are fully ready to go. And what about you, Dilbeg? For the next five months, what, what, what can you and the team do? How intense is that period going to be? Because it's quite a long off-season now in Formula E, after quite a long bit of an off-season as well. Well, I think from our side, it's uh, basically getting a season seven powertrain embedded in, starting to understand it because we're moving uh, for suppliers, we're moving components. Like it's no longer our previous supplier who's going to be there. Now ZF's going to be supplying us mm-hmm. the thing. So it's it's a pretty big change for us. The whole philosophy in terms of the way the car's designed is quite different from what it was last year. We've sort of moved on. And so I think for us to start adapting to it. So it's going to be a pretty intense test program with Alex and his teammate uh, going forward in the next uh, couple of months. So what we did uh, in the last few months was, okay, we knew there was a run-up, but in the end, these races were so close to each other. There was, we set up systems which could react overnight because we literally had a, uh, like you wake up in the morning and there's another race. And now I think we have to also start understanding some of the data which we've g- gathered in half a season in the last 10 days in terms of energy management, et cetera, that there's going to be some amount of carryover going forward. So for me, I think it's initially a period of consolidation, getting the whole team back together, start getting started. Uh, there's a certain amount of investment going in in our simulation, simulators and other bits. So that's going to be happening right now, a test program. I think overall, in this period of time, is just to try to consolidate. The other bit where I think for me personally, where I'll have to help the team is also on the financial side to secure the team because as you know, in COVID, its uh, budgets have been impacted for everyone. Investment capability of everyone has been impacted, etc. So I think for me, a large part of my thing is just to make sure that okay, we are financially stable and have the resource to invest in the areas we need to invest okay well fascinating stuff thank you very much both gentlemen for joining us thank you for listening as well remember to rate and comment if you if you like what you've heard but from Dilbag Gill and the new Mahindra driver Alexander Sims thank you for joining us join us next time for a next episode of Straight Talk anything else you want Banksy not from you you're fine <laughs> <laughs> Jack. <laughs> <laughs>